Hey everybody, hey everybody, how are you guys doing? I'm Colleen Fabry and this is Venture Europe. Venture Europe is a series of conversations with successful entrepreneurs, investors and ecosystem contributors where we discuss about the strategies, tactics, frameworks and failings that they have used and experienced during their journey. It is my personal vendetta to contribute in making Europe one of the most attractive entrepreneurial ecosystems in the world. Big words, hard work, so let's get started. My guest today is Eleonore Crespo, co-founder and co-CEO of Pigment, the business planning platform that tries to replace Excel. Prior to Pigment, Eleonore was an investor at Index Ventures, working side-by-side with entrepreneurs and spearheading investments in Allen, Spendesk, Swow, and Slide. Before Index, she worked as a senior analyst at Google, reporting directly to the EMEA president and CFO on matters of strategy and planning. During this episode, we discussed about how she managed to raise $73 million one month after giving birth to twins, why as a founder you should always be hiring, and the importance of calibrating of what great talent looks like for certain positions. Please enjoy this excellent conversation with Eleonore Crespo, co-founder and co-CEO of Pigment. Let's get started. Why don't you tell me the story when and how the idea of Pigment was born and then your decision to quit your job as an investor and go all in? So actually, Pigment was born in 2019, and I would say maybe even end of 2018. It's actually quite an odd story that happened to me. I got this back injury, and I needed this surgery at the end of 18. And I had to actually stay in bed for three months uh, while I was at VC at Index. And the problem is that, you know, it was pre-COVID. So at that time, people were not doing really meeting, like entrepreneur meeting online. You had to meet pretty much everyone. So I actually had to stop for two to three months and actually think back. And this is when I thought, like, it's probably the right time to start my own company. To take a step back, actually, it's something that I've always, always wanted to do. I studied entrepreneurship during my engineering studies. I knew that at some point I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And it happened to me that I took this surgery as the step to actually move because I had so much pain during three months. I had to stay in bed. I had nurses coming to my home every day. I was in really, really big pain. And so I really had time to like think about what I wanted to do next. And I saw that I wanted to have a very, very high impact. And it was actually the time for me to take this step. And I had actually met my co-founder during my time at Index. I actually came to him around that time and said, look, Roma, I think I would actually like to start a ride with you. Sorry to hear about your back. Hopefully now everything is a little bit better. I'm curious, how does that idea evolve in someone's mind? So after you decided that I want to start a company, I want to do something impactful, how do you reach to on what to work on and who is the best co-founder? Absolutely. So two things. So the first thing was actually even before thinking about exactly what I wanted to build, I wanted to meet the perfect co-founder. And I think Romain, so Romain, to give some context to the audience, was the co-founder and CTO of Criteo. I knew him from my time at Index Ventures, and I knew he was a dream co-founder by knowing also his other co-founders. And I was on the board of his second company, and I thought he had the perfect combination of smartness, humility. And I was like, if there is one day I want to start a company, it has to be with someone like Romain. So I would say that was the first part. And then on the topic itself, so actually it's a topic 
that came super naturally to both of us because it's probably the biggest pain we have experienced in our entire life. So I actually wanted to start a company in order to impact pretty much any company in the world. That was the idea first. It was like, I really want to make sure that I impact as many operators in the company and as many companies as possible in the world and create a global business. And something I had seen in my career, so I worked as an analyst for the CFO of Google EMEA and Index Venture. I saw that one thing that wasn't fixed really was the problem of spreadsheets and data in spreadsheets. I saw operators, analysts, C-level execs, country managers, sales managers, account executives. I can give you a list, HR, of so many functions that are struggling on very complicated Excel or Google spreadsheets with too much data because they have never been built for that, with many mistakes, no collaboration, security issues, safety issues, etc. And I was like, there is something to be changed here because it's very strange that pretty much any company today is equipped very well from every standpoint with many SaaS. But still, when it comes to business data, you are still crunching it on Excel. And so to me, it was quite a discovery because when I was at Index, I saw these fast-growing companies that know about all of the best tools out there. And yet, when it came to financial data, business data, business plans, business forecasts, sales forecasts, sales planning, etc., workforce planning as well, it was always done on spreadsheets. And I thought there should be a better way. And obviously, you know, my co-founder, Romain, saw the same at Criteo. He was going really fast and they were doing everything on spreadsheets and it was just his biggest nightmare. So we wanted to really help there and we saw that with this project, we could really become all-in-one business platform that could help pretty much any business operator in the world. And that went really well with our ambition. The last thing is that we thought we had a great founder market fit because in order to actually build a tool there, you need a wonderful platform. And we knew that uh, given the network that we had, we would be capable of putting together the best engineering team to actually create the best product. Because I can tell you that, you know, at Google, for instance, we love to do things internally. And here we couldn't crack the problem. And usually, you know, we build a, tool, a lot of tools actually internally. Here we couldn't. And it's a very, very complex problem to solve. And we thought that perhaps we had actually the right founder market fit to go after this massive issue. So you have a problem, you found a great co-founder, and you're tackling a very big problem. And also I can recognize the pain with spreadsheets. How do you go about it? And how do you actually paint a vision that is so ambitious that people want to join, but at the same time also make it seem that it's possible? That was the difficult part. And I must say that probably, you know, for any founder out there, it's very hard to start bringing people on board, especially at the very, very beginning, because there are so many reasons not to believe in your idea, and there are so many reasons not to believe in your brand, because you have nothing, you have no investment, you have no brand backing you, you have no team, right? So you need to find a way. It's just the time you need to spend as a founder to articulate what you are trying to build, to prove to your future hires, your future investors, etc., that the pain is massive and actually it's something very easy to know because who hasn't struggled with a spreadsheet in their life, right? But then how to go about the problem is the second step. And here it's really about trying to articulate how with the people that you know, you are going to be able to actually build this gigantic leader that will hopefully 
forever replace spreadsheets, right? So this is actually something that took us probably most of our energy in the first year with Romain was to actually create and articulate what makes sense to tell not only to candidates, but also to investors and to future customers, because you have to start obviously very, very early to talk to prospects. Right. So you founded Pigment two and a half years ago. What was the most challenging part of starting and scaling Pigment? The trick, obviously, to actually create a successful company is the team. Sometimes we don't emphasize that enough, but the early team is your number one and only asset because it's with this team that you are going to build your MVP and it's with this team that you are going to try to sell to your first customers and it's with this team that you are going to go fundraise. And with no team, obviously, you are no one. So I would say that the biggest challenge for us was to actually convince the best of the best people in our network to join the adventure. Still today, it's the biggest challenge because I cannot emphasize enough how some people in my team today have been absolutely instrumental to create what Pigment is today, right? So it's really what will make you successful or what will break your company. And you have to make every single hire right. Got it. So there is this story that I've heard in The Power Law, so the book that just came out by Sebastian Malabi. And there is the story of how Alibaba recruited like the best talent. They really wanted the best talent. And also they empowered them and they gave them a stock option pool so then they can create their own team. When looking at Pigment, what are some key learnings that you got by trying to recruit both the first employee, but also now after your Series B? I can perhaps illustrate my first employees and what we did. So first of all, I think for the first employee, what's going to be very, very important is to explain to them that they are co-founders of the project. And this is still true today, but even more so, it was very, very true two and a half years ago. So they have to understand that they are co-founders of the project and that this project is their project. And it's a project that they are actually going to own on steroids, meaning that we'll take care of all the fundraising, all the admin, everything for them. And what they will have to focus on is build the best product and sell it. So here, obviously, it means giving them the equity they deserve to actually make them co-founder of the project and spending time explaining to them how massive of an opportunity this is and how much they are going to solve for it. So I can give you concrete example about the first employees and where we found them, how we found them, how we convinced them and the sort of key learnings that go with them. I looked at who were the first 10 employees of Pigment and I actually put them in four buckets. There is a bucket that is around your network. So this is a story of Sebastian, Etienne, Nico, Renaud, Marc, Guillaume of our team that are all engineers that started very, very early in the adventure and that we knew from our respective network. I think this is the first pool where you should go is to actually find people in your network that have the ambition to be on such a project and just make them follow your dream. The second pool of talents that we have actually hired are the stories of Ben and Guilin, who are from our indirect network. And here with Ben and Guilin, Ben was our first product manager. Guilin was our first business person in the team. And we actually spent a lot of time to find them. Guilin was actually someone that was a financial analyst, so he has nothing to do with sales. But yet we convinced him to be the first salesperson. Ben on his side was someone from the ecosystem that had always dreamed of creating actually a business planning platform. He actually worked from one of our biggest competitors. 
he actually wanted to create himself a business around that. And so here, you know, what was interesting is that we spent a ton of time funding them and we need some people that were true entrepreneurs to actually be the first people to actually create this function. And the last bucket are Robin, Mathieu, Min, Yulin, and Isor that were actually also engineers and admin people that we hired. And these were actually people that we sourced ourselves and spent a lot of time hunting outside our direct network. And so I will come back to that. So I would say that, you know, if I think about the key learnings that go with how to get and convince first employees to join, the first one is that you should always be hiring. Meaning that basically every single minute of pigment at the beginning with Romain, we were thinking about how to find the best talents. Every time I would even meet friends, meet some people from my network, I would ask, do you know some people in this ecosystem? Do you know some people that are super good entrepreneurs that would be willing to come and join the business team? And just spend as much time as you can as a founder to be the number one source of your company. The second, obviously, as I said, is to leverage your network because your network wants you to be successful and so they will actually make you meet these wonderful people. So to give you an example, Guilin, I actually met him through one of my prospects at the time that now is a customer, the co-founder of Virtue, which is a car sharing company in France. And then we met through someone that was actually from the ecosystem that Romain knew really well that wanted, obviously, Pigment to be this next generation business planning platform. The third advice I would give here is to meet as many people as you can to actually calibrate your talents. And so in order to do that, what we did very early on was to talk to as many founders as possible. So to give you a concrete example, I spent a lot of time with Alexis from Datadog, with Florian from Dataiku, that are obviously co-founders of these companies. And that had obviously made some mistakes along the way. And they told us what they actually found to be successful in the first employees of a SaaS business. And I remember, for instance, Florian giving me this example of the first business he had ever made that were people that had nothing to do with sales, but that actually had, obviously, this very much entrepreneurial mindset that I found with Guilin. The first advice that I want to give goes with that, right? It's that you need doers at the beginning. You need very, very pragmatic people. And this is probably the main thing you should be looking for. The fifth advice I would give is to actually take the decision in the fastest manner. Meaning that, you know, when you meet someone great and you are at the very beginning of your project, you need to go really, really fast to onboard people and to close candidates, exactly like you would close a customer. You need to put clear timelines because the problem is that these people usually are attracted by many other companies and there is absolutely no reason to follow you if it's not for you. So that means that as a founder, if you need to spend, you know, an entire week with this person to convince her to join, let's do it. You should do it. And then you should make sure that you are able to close them fast. Perhaps to finish on that, the last advice I would like to give are, first of all, to be different. So this would be my sixth advice is that you need to differentiate yourself from what's out there. You need to make people understand who you are and what will make your company different. And I can come back to that later. And you also need to anticipate very early your future needs because you will never go fast enough in hiring and hiring the right people. So that means that you need to take shortcuts. So to give you an example of a shortcut that we took was that we knew very early on that we needed to build a very, very strong team of engineers to actually build our first 
platform. And in order to do that, we needed to actually find influencers in our own ecosystem. To give you some example, we are a business planning solution. So some of our main competitors are Anaplan, Adaptive Insight, Planful. And we decided to bring on board the ex-CEO of Anaplan, the ex-CTO of Workday, who actually bought the company Adaptive Insight, the ex-CEO of Planful, that all are here to help us find the best talents because they know really well the ecosystem. And that makes you win so much time, I would say, from an R&D perspective and from a business perspective. Love it. Love it. It's very, very practical. Thanks a lot for that. Always be hiring, leverage your network and meet as many people to calibrate your assessment of talent. I wanted to follow up on the second things that you mentioned to hire doers. How do you assess that someone is a doer? So they're in a very senior position. You think that they're just going to do a great job. How can you assess if they're indeed a doer? It's very easy. You need to deep dive as much as you can. That means, I'm going to give you a concrete example. We talked a lot about the first employees, but this is still very true now. And everything I told you is still very true now. I consider Romain and myself the number one sourcers at Pigment today. Every single exec, I will find myself, right? And every IC that are hard to find, I will look myself for them. And when I say that, I mean we are still going directly on LinkedIn, sourcing the talents, reading articles, trying to understand the space, right? The practicality of finding a doer is so easy. To give you an example, you want to hire a sales manager. Ask him what was the last deal he closed. Who helped him on that deal? Did he do that himself? Does he like it? Does he prefer to manage a team? Or does he like actually putting his hands dirty and speaking to the customer? What does he like in life? Is it like for an engineer? Is it like he prefers to actually spend his day coding, solving very complex problems? Or does he prefer to actually take a step back and perhaps think about like how to lead a project, manage a team, etc.? Still until now, we need people that actually are going to do things. I need people to tell me, yes, I love to write myself an article about how to actually help FPNL leaders build a better PNL. I want people that tell me, yes, if I come to Pigment, I will myself hire my own team and spend days and nights on LinkedIn finding the best talents. I need people to tell me every day, yes, what I love is actually to spend my day talking to the customer. I'm going to give you a concrete example. Julien Lezécher, who I hired as my head of business, he's always telling me, I love to actually build the plane and fly at the same time. Julien, if you look at his days, he spent his days in customer meeting directly, listening to the pain all day long, doing perhaps at least four customer meetings a day. Then the other half of his day is about hiring people, finding talents from sourcing them, etc., etc. And the last part is about obviously taking a step back, managing a team, thinking strategically and being able to actually leverage all of his knowledge to build a business, right? This is always what you need. You need very senior people that are capable to actually put their hands dirty. And Julien, clear example, was a head of global business at Facebook Workplace. So he built the business basically from zero to 100 million in ARR before joining us. And, you know, he managed a team of 100 people. And so he is very knowledgeable, but yet he is capable of putting his hands dirty. And this is by 
not being afraid of asking the question and deep diving as much as you can during the interview process. And it really means that as a CEO, it's not by spending half an hour with a candidate that you understand that. It's by spending as much time as you need to really get into and nailing exactly what this person has done in the past year and what she actually likes and doing case studies and asking if these people are actually capable of going back to doing what they were even doing at the beginning of their career, which is really doing all of the basics that we need to actually be successful. And this is what I do all day long, by the way. <laughs> it kind of comes across as you enjoy it. I do. If you are not capable of doing that, it's going to be very hard for you to start a business. And I think all the best founders and entrepreneurs around me that I know are doers and they need to be doers until the IPO, after the IPO, because you need to be here. You know, I also call myself the fireman, right? Like with Romain, we are also here to fix every single problem of the company. And you need to enjoy doing that because you are managing people and obviously, you know, with people come problems. That's normal. Customers are people. And with customers, you know, you need to make sure that you nail and that you support every single customer. You need to be here to support every single hire, etc., etc. That's what your job is about. Love it. I wrote that down. Doer until the IPO. <laughs> <laughs> Changing gears a little bit here, going into a part a little bit more personal. What is the best and worst advice you have received? The best advice, there are many. I will pick maybe not one, but two. The first one is, I think that when you build a business, you always need to think of it as a game. And when I say that, you need to understand that here, we are not brain surgeons. We don't have proper life in our hands. And so you need to understand that you are in this power game and that you always need to basically control what you are doing while taking a step back and making sure that you don't take things personally. Because as you know, there are many, many highs and lows during a day. And if you start to stress about something, I'm telling you, you are never going to sleep at night. And here you are running a very, very long marathon. It's a marathon of many years. You know, for us, we, we are here for the long run. We want to build the $200 billion business. And if we want to do that, it means that we should not take everything so seriously, right? So this is what I try to do every day, is to make sure that I always take a step back on what I do. And this is something that I have heard very, very early on from one of my professors slash mentor at Ecole des Mines. I think it's very true. Business is a game of power and you always need to think of it as a game. The second advice is around your energy. I think that's an advice I got at Google around the fact that you need to manage your energy and not your time. And that's something that is also very true. You know, you don't have much time in a day to do things. Uh, days are very short. Life is short in general, by the way. So you need to put your energy when it actually matters. And every day when you wake up as a founder, you should ask yourself, what I'm going to do today that is really going to change the course of my business? Is it actually spending so much time with this new sales manager in the US? Is it about actually trying to sign the largest ever customer that you have in your pipe? Is it perhaps about actually taking a step back and thinking about your pricing and packaging and spend all of your energy today on that? These are the type of things you have to do because you will never have enough time to do what you need. The worst advice I've ever received is, I'm sure you are familiar with the concept of unsolicited parental advice. And I have my own concept of 
unsolicited VC advice. I have to say that it's something that I have experienced many times and I saw it myself, you know, when I was on the other side as a VC. You need as a VC, obviously, to have a lot of empathy for the founders that are in front of you. And you need to understand that you know nothing about what they do. What I really don't like is, you know, when I meet a VC that I've never met in my life, that I've met for the first hour, that is telling me what I should do to run pigment in the US. I think this is really the thing that I'm trying to avoid as much as possible, because I can tell you that usually, you know, all the advice you get you have thought about them, you know, and it's not as if it was this new idea that had never came up and usually you have an answer. And I like actually VC in the likes of, you know, Ophelia, Plum Blossom, Neil from Green Oaks that are actually doers as well and that actually spend the time trying to understand what you have done things a certain way and actually try to impact yourself in the right way. Got it. Unsolicited VC advice. It's the norm, I guess, in the industry. Happy to hear that also there are others that are different and empathize a little bit more with the founders. Talking about the industry, I just asked for a little bit of feedback and preparation for this episode. And Jan Hammer from Index, he said her main superpower is grit and resourcefulness. She's full of energy, initiative and actioning ideas. And Ophelia Brown, I don't know any other woman who's capable of what she is, raising a 75 million Series B from a top tier West Coast investor one month after giving birth. She has an incredibly high bar, which I love, and she doesn't apologize for it. She wants the best for her team and for pigment. There's nothing which is unattainable. Wow. So there are like two things here. So one is about grit. Were you always like this, having a lot of grit, resourcefulness, or did you train it? And then second, also Ophelia asked me to tell your story of raising the Series A. She would like to hear it from your perspective. That's a lot of compliments. Thank you for sharing. And I love Vian and Ophelia, by the way, so I can only return the compliments. So on grit, yeah, I think... Honestly, since I was born, my parents have always told me I have too much energy to spend. And so this is also why I knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur someday, because I actually wanted to put my energy where I can have an impact. But also, I think that I'm the type of person that actually puts energy when I see the impact that I can have. I don't have energy for things that I don't care about. I put energy where I think I can have an impact on the world. And I actually try again, you know, to manage it the way I told you before, which is really like be as impactful as possible on every single decision that I take. And then, yeah, so you want the story about the Series B when I raised the large round, right? That was what you were asking? Yes, I feel like I mentioned that it was incredible how you managed to do that one month after giving birth. It was challenging. So I actually uh, had twins on May 11th. So boy and a girl, Diane and Samuel. For me, it was just impossible to stop working. And I don't give that as an advice, but it's an advice I would give to women is that there is never a good time to have kids. I've heard many entrepreneurs, operators that also have a very, very big impact in their own companies asking me, like, when is it actually a good time to have kids? And I think it's always a good time to have kids, right? Like, there is never a good time to have kids. If you wait to be, you know, 15 years, 20 years in your career, you will never have kids. And kids is one of the most wonderful things that can happen to you in your life. So just do it the way you think is right and when you think is right. And so for me, it has always been clear that I wanted to combine pigment with my personal life. And that was a very important part of it. It was funny because when I was about to give birth, we had just launched our public product and we were ready to accelerate and we 
got approached by several VCs that actually asked to preempt a round. And with Romain, we thought it was actually the perfect opportunity because we had the first signs of product market fit where we knew that the product was already quite incredible and that our first customers were thrilled about what they had. And so we were like, we just need to launch now and we need to launch properly, publicly, make as much noise as possible and start expanding in the US. And so to me, it was very clear that I needed to be organized. And here, I have to say that I'm very, very thankful to my husband that took a very long paternity leave. And it's something that I would really encourage in the tech ecosystem is that if you want more female entrepreneurs or if you want more C-level executives that are women, we need equal rights. And I think this is the most important one that I love to fight for because it's fundamental that actually you share the idea of having kids and parental leave is probably the most important one. And it was funny. It was a funny time because I was, I had my kids literally like at this age, it's nonstop crying, especially with two. They were crying in the background. I was, you know, pitching to investors and it was really fun and it was tiring. And I said to Roma, Probably, you know, one of the most tiring things I've done, but I love the challenge and it was just awesome to actually bring Green Oaks with us at that time. Happy to hear the story and to see strong women like you and also fighting for the equal rights, which I think it's it's very, very important. And who is your hero, Eleanor? Oh, my hero. I think it's my mother, but perhaps you... <laughs> She's my hero and she's actually, she's also here behind me to help me build this amazing company while having kids. But here I could also give you names of people I highly respect. And I was thinking, you know, about advice I could also give to the audience, given what's happening in Ukraine, etc. I think here, you know, as the tech industry, we should also all take a step back and think about why the world is like that today. And there are a couple of people that I admire a lot in the likes of Sebastian Boller, who wrote this book called The Human Bug. And I have this other book called This World Without an End from Jean-Marc Jancovici. And the last one is Altruism from Mathieu Ricard. These people I'm talking about are all explaining why our brain is actually making us do what's happening today, meaning, you know, the climate disasters, the war, and the fact that, you know, we have this triatom that is one part of the brain that is always forcing us to consume more and to do things that are sometimes not going with what we should be building for a better world. And so, you know, given what's happening today, I would highly encourage you to follow this three people that I think are incredible and obviously here to also build, I would say, the century in front of us. Wonderful. No, thank you. I will put their details, either Twitter or LinkedIn, in the description of this podcast. Almost at the end, I think two questions left. Most thoughtful investor and or entrepreneur that you have met and admire? Here, I would probably say investor. I absolutely love Eric from Benchmark. I met him during the Series A and it was actually something, you know, with, and Ophelia came on board, etc. But Eric has been such a, you know, I found him so thoughtful on everything he does and he loves our category. And I just had some wonderful discussions with him. Some other people I want to mention. One is an incredible mentor to me is Paul Melchior, who was the ex-CEO of Anaplan that I just found. And he happens to be the best salesperson on earth. He actually wrote this book called Selling the Cloud. I would just advise you all to read it because it's just 
full of the best advice for salespeople. Julien Codorniu as well, an incredible mentor that was actually at the head of Facebook Workplace and now turned VC, he works for Felix Capital and he just knows so much about how to build a great company. And the last two I wanted to mention, one is Dave Kellogg. I just found him so thoughtful. He has this blog called Kell Blog and I just think that everything he says from a SaaS perspective is so spot on. Finally, someone that I met recently is Ilka, founder of Supercell. I actually met him at Slush during a dinner. We actually became super good friends because we have the same vision of actually going way beyond our companies and trying to think about, you know, how to actually build the leaders of tomorrow. And I just think he's such a great person from everything he does in Finland. He created this incredible philanthropic fund. He's been setting up the most incredible culture at Supercell from day one. And he's really thinking about how to actually impact the world of tomorrow. And I think it's what I would love to see from every single entrepreneur is to fight for our rights, fight for things to change, not only in the tech ecosystem, but more generally speaking. And he's someone that I really admire. Love it. A lot of people to follow and a lot of books to read. And the last question that actually there are like two questions in one. What is your advice for someone thinking to start a business? And then at the end, if you have any ask from our audience. Someone to start a business. First of all, just do it and do it. Do it because it's the perfect time today to start businesses. I think I see it in France. It's the same in Europe and it's the same in the U.S. We've seen the great resignation in the U.S. A lot of people want to quit traditional job. I think we've never had such an incredible pool of talent and capital available to start a business. It's the perfect time to market and it's the perfect time to actually really make an idea thrive and especially in these very interesting times. I do think that as a leader, I would just invite you all to have a lot of humility in what you do, a lot of curiosity, because this is probably what's very important at the beginning, is to always question what you do, have zero ego, and hire people with no ego as well. Hire real team players, people that are going to really be in the same mindset of humility and curiosity. The last thing I would like to say is take fast decisions when you start your own business and really try to act fast on everything you do because there will never be a bad decision. There will just be slow decisions. So this is another thing I would like to say. And if I think about the audience, probably um, an ask that I would give is if you need entrepreneurial advice, I'm always here for anyone in that audience. My email is eleonore at gopigment.com and I think I've been very, very lucky to be surrounded by an incredible network of entrepreneurs, mentors, and I think we never give back enough and I'm super willing to do that. And obviously, another one is that if you need help crunching your finance, your business data, etc., Pigment is, I think, an incredible tool for pretty much any company out there. But most importantly, I would like to say that I'm here to coach, especially when you start a business. Things can get really hard and it's important to have people to support you. Wonderful. Very kind of you. Thank you very much, Eleanor. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for sharing all your experience with us. Thank you. 